Oh yes, Lord, we lift your name up high. We thank you that you're here, God. Oh, we love you, Lord. And everyone who longs for truth, needing hope and strength renewed, come and meet the Savior of the world. And everyone who longs inside, desperate for the words of life, come and meet the Savior of your soul. God is with us now. His love reigns now. His love reigns now. Saved by grace and power. His love reigns now. His love reigns now. God is with us now. Everyone who lives in Christ Died to self and raised to life Come and praise the Savior of the world and Everyone who perseveres Faith will overcome all fears Come and praise the Savior of your soul God is
Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh, oh my soul, and worship His holy name, and sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship Your The sun comes up, it's a new day dawn, it's time to sing your song again, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when Your holy 
is like the highest mountain, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. This is found in Psalms 36, and as we continue to sing this song, would you just take a moment where you are right now and just ponder on the Lord's great faithfulness, even in covering you under the shadow of His mighty wings in this time. And so, Father, I pray that as we continue to worship you through the song, that you would help us to remember our days and our lives are in your hands that you oh God hold this world in your hands and father where we feel shaky may we find refuge in the shadow 
of your wings today. In Jesus' name, amen.
thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am And I see Many searching for answers Far and wide But I know We're all searching for answers Only you provide And you know just what we need before we say a word You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am You're a good, good father It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. And you're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of It's who you are, it's who you are, and 
So great to be here this morning. What an amazing time we've had together in the presence of the Lord over the last couple of weeks. The Lord has been speaking with us about how to live effectively on our front lines. In fact, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, he reminds us that we are made in his image for a relationship with him within which we can enjoy, experience the beauty of his love, while at the same time we represent him in the world by extending, expressing, and sharing the very same love with those around us. Therefore, it is not strange or surprising that God shows up in Isaiah 6. Remember the big encounter when God showed up in Isaiah's day and time? And remember how terrified Isaiah was. Remember that very beautiful voice breaking from heaven into our space saying, Who will go for us? It's as though Isaiah uh, was so as he was so shaken, he was looking at his circumstances around him. And perhaps as he would later write, he sees people who are religiously praising God with uh, their lips, but their hearts far away from what they were saying. People who are so hopeless about the future that they say, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we will die. Then Isaiah says, Woe unto me, a man of unclean lips, living with other men of or people of unclean lips. He's battling with a sense of unworthiness, something that Moses also struggled with when God called him to be his instrument that he could use to deliver Israel from slavery. A very same chorus, rather, that, jo that Jeremiah joins in in his generation. When God says, I want you to be my prophetic messenger, Isaiah says, Lord, I'm just a child and I cannot do this. You see, friends, the stories of these Bible characters, among many others, raises a timeless question for you and me today. And the question is this, can you and I fulfill the purposes of the Lord on our front lines without his presence, without his power? Good news, good news. God does not leave Isaiah wallowing in his unworthiness and shame and guilt through the hand of a seraphim. He reaches out and takes the live coal. He touches his mouth and then something awesome happens. He emerges confidently and willingly saying, Lord, here I am, send me. Are you, my friend, available for the Lord? 
You see, God is calling you and me to represent him on our front lines as his messengers of the gospel. But you may ask, what does it really take to be a messenger of the gospel? Not just a messenger, but a courageous messenger of the gospel. So as we wrap up this series, as I'm sharing on the last M, being a messenger of the gospel, I would like to suggest to you three things that are critical to being a courageous messenger of the gospel. Number one, intimacy with God. In Mark chapter one, we're going to read from verse 17. In Mark chapter one, Uh, Jesus is unveiling the kingdom that was lost in Genesis. He's reintroducing it to humanity and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. It is within anyone's reach. In other words, whoever wants to enter into the kingdom of God, he says, must repent of their sins and believe the good news. Then in verse 17, where we extract our very first point, he says, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. So Jesus says, come to me. In other words, it's as though Jesus is saying, being a messenger of the gospel begins with coming, begins with following him. It begins with uh, intimacy with God. In other words, without intimacy with God, There is no influence for God. Intimacy with God is the voice of the Holy Spirit inviting you and me to be with Jesus so that we can be with Jesus, we can become like Jesus in our talk and in our our walk as well. So I want to share with you uh, this story of a young lady in her teenage years, uh, how the gospel transformed her life. She was growing up in this religious family, believing that the dead people does a better work in terms of representing the living before God. But as the gospel uh, encounters her life, and then uh, she is transformed completely by it, and to a point that for the very first time, with greater conviction, she believes that no one can goes to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. She believes that there is no mediator between God and man but Christ himself. Now there is a problem. How is she going to practice her faith in her front line that is actually not in agreement with what she's believing without compromising on her biblical newly found uh, conviction? So she starts to pray, seeking God for wisdom so she could live effectively on her home front line. As she goes deeper in prayer, praying and seeking God, the desire to save a family is impressed in her heart. So while on one hand they are busy doing the rituals, chanting, on the other hand she is washing the dishes, serving her family that way without engaging 
Her father, noticing the problem, approaches her to bring her back in line with the family values. But with great respect and gentleness, she tells her father how Jesus has transformed her life in terms of how she relates with God and everybody around her and how her relationship with Christ makes it uncomfortable for her to engage to whatever the family was busy with. And then so the father realizing that he could not convince her otherwise and most importantly being won over by, uh, by her respect and gentleness, the father makes an arrangement with her. And the arrangement is this, that whenever there is a ritual ceremony of sort, because she does not eat food sacrificed um, to uh, sacrifice for that uh, ceremony, the father then says, I will give you the money too so that you can have freedom to go buy your own food and then come back and be part of us here. That became, that became a pattern. But that arrangement uh, seemed to open a massive door in the spirit for the kingdom of God, kingdom influence to start coming into this family. As the times went by, her siblings received Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. It does not end there. The mother encounters the love of God and then she becomes born again. And then it does not end there. The father receives the gospel and then she is bo he is born again, transformed by the power of God's love. Then the entire family culture changed 360 degree from how it was before Christ to how it now looked like after Christ. All of this because of a young lady who intentionally chose to leave influencing a front line from a place of her intimacy with the Lord. So my friend, I know that you have your own story and um, that uh, we can love to hear how God is working in you and through you in your front line. But at this moment, I would like to highlight one more story from our community that testify of how God is using Min Pritchard, who is one of the leaders in our community, to influence her front line from a place of intimacy with God. And then Min, and then that is a story if you can just take a look and then watch and listen as she share her own story. Let me share a story about someone in our community. Min is a wife, friend, colleague, and spiritual mom to many in her community. She is known for her joy, care, love, and friendliness. Moon greets everyone at work and is always on the lookout for what she calls a hot button, an opportunity to share Jesus. If a child is sick, she offers to pray. If someone is facing a challenge, she shows practical support. If someone needs help meeting a deadline, Moon is there to lend a hand. She pays particular attention to people's interests and listens out for the questions her colleagues are wrestling with. She patiently continues caring and serving while trusting for an opportunity to share Jesus. Because when that opportunity comes, men will be ready. 
Recently, Min felt a prompt to head to the parking lot on her lunch break to get a bit of quiet and spend some time with the Lord. She noticed a colleague sitting in her car too and went over as is quite natural to Min. This was the start of many parking lot conversations and Min's colleague started opening up to Min about her challenges. One day, Min sensed the hot button moment and was able to share the redemptive story of Jesus and the difference Christ has made in her life. I was at the stage where I needed Jesus. Um, I was hurting, down in the dumps, and I was there where I really needed a savior. And so I reckon as I go along in life, um, doing this walk and journey with Jesus, I reckon that, and I can see that people need the Lord and people is hurting people is in a situation or, you know, whatever thing that's not okay for them. So I come, because I was there, I can come and come and help them. And how I can help them is to proclaim Jesus to them, to let them meet Jesus, because I know that is the only way they can be helped. Because this came after many friendly hellos and an attentive, caring ear, Min found her colleagues surprisingly receptive to her words. Min didn't drop some pre-packaged formulaic summary of the gospel into the conversation, but simply shared the difference Christ has made in her life in a way that is natural and appropriate to the person she was talking to. Min might not be the one to see this colleague come to know Christ, but she's intentional about praying for that seed to grow and trust for others to water that seed one hot-button conversation at a time until that seed is ready for harvest. So how does men do, how does men uh, touch the lives of people by what she calls the, the, the heart buttons, touching the heart buttons, those issues, those, those moments in conversations where someone shares something deeper of themselves and through the discernment of the Holy Spirit, she then knows how to minister the gospel to those people are. So it's because of her intimacy with the Lord. So friends, we are called to influence our front lines as messengers of the gospel, primarily from a place of intimacy with God. So how are you doing in terms of your own intimacy with God? Do you make time to receive his love for you? Do you let the outflow of his love affect your front line? Having a coffee with him about your front line in your front line. Number two, the second thing critical to being a courageous messenger of the gospel is influence. Yes, you heard me right. Influence, particularly through moving in the opposite spirit. Perhaps you may ask, why would God want us to move in the opposite spirit as we share the gospel um, with those around us. After all, we are people who likes to move with the flow. And then suddenly we have to go upstream. Why? Friends, there are three reasons I would like to share with you that I believe are a reason why God wants us to move in the opposite spirit. 
Number one, it causes us to reflect God's character. Romans 5 verse 8 says that God showing us his love, you know, it, it, it's, it talks about God rather showing us his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Psalm 103 verse 10, it says, God does not treat us as our sins deserves. We deserve harsh punishment, but he gives us his kindness, something that is that we don't really deserve. So by very nature, God moves in the opposite spirit. And therefore, he wants us to be like him as his messengers sharing the gospel in our spaces. How do we do that? Romans 12 verse 20, Paul says that we do that by giving water to our enemy when they are thirsty food when they are hungry. And that is a lifestyle warfare, friends, that release the love of God in the space uh, or preparing the soul of people's heart to receive what we've got to share with them. So in Mark, in Mark, um, uh, and then sorry, number, number two, um, he wants us to move in the opposite spirit because when we do so as his messengers of the gospel, it enables us to save others selflessly. Jesus in Mark 10 verse 45 is talking about the kingdom culture, as, um, servanthood as part of the kingdom culture. He says the son of man did not come to be saved, but to serve. And therefore, just like him, Jesus invites us to grow our kingdom influence by being messengers of the gospel with a servant's heart. Because servanthood prepares people's heart to receive the message that we want to deliver to them. Somebody says this about servanthood. If servanthood is below you, leadership is beyond you. In other words, we are to uh, serve others as a way of preparing them to receive what we've got to say um, with them, to them rather. Number three, God wants us as his messengers of the gospel to move in the opposite spirit, to influence our front line by moving in the opposite spirit because will, it teaches us to learn to treat others with dignifying care. I think of the young Tutu or Bishop Tutu, how he became a man uh, of influence and a peacemaker in South Africa. That as he was in his young, young days, he was walking up the road with his mother. And he comes across this gentleman and then, uh, who is from a different race. And then as it was expected in the old South Africa, that as he passes by, they ought to make a way for him so that he can pass. However, the man decided proactively to move out of the way, give them the right of way, let them pass. This was strange to the young Tutu. As, the, as he passes by, he asks his mother, Mommy, who is that man? And the mother says, that is a priest 
down the road. And then Tutu says, when I grow up, I want to be exactly like him. I want to be a priest exactly like him. Why? He was touched. His heart button was touched by a kind of a care that seemed to restore a sense of dignity and value um, to his mother. And that touched his heart and changed his life. And by extension, he became an influence in South Africa simply because of someone who did not allow the status quo to dictate on him how to behave but who chose to move in the opposite spirit. So friends, where will you be this time tomorrow? Perhaps you may be with someone in your front line who is not in a relationship with God. Someone, as you can see on the screen, that does not really involve God in any area of his life, whether it's finances or family decisions. This man we, may, we call him the I person because he's all about himself. You may be with someone who is religious. He is, but not in a relationship with God. You know, he knows about God, but he's, he does not have a personal relationship with God. Like the story I shared, shared earlier on, this lady would have come from this mindset. The good news is this. God is asking a question to you and me. Who will go for us? Of course, in your front line and my front line to share his message that he wants them to be in his kingdom, to become a kingdom person, person of a, a, a man and a woman of the kingdom of God who is in a relationship with God. And how does that happen? Jesus tells us in John 3 verse 3, that unless they are born again, they will not enter into the kingdom of God. And then so God is sending us with a message to share it with them. And what is the message? The message is John 3, 16. It's the love of God. We are called to share with them God's love. And, uh, and then I want to encourage you talking about sharing with them God's love. You see... Um, I want to encourage you to think of your frontline or, or frontline audience in terms of an analog watch. You know, at a 10 o'clock position, we all begin there where there is no relation. We don't have a relationship with God, but we want to go to 11 o'clock where we have a relationship with God. So whatever you do, whether you speak the word of God and then authenticating with your, your actions of love and kindness, what it does, there is a high potential for a movement where they move from one point to other, from 10 o'clock to five past 10, from 10, five past 10 to quarter past 10 and so on and, and so forth. And then the reality is this. They, we are not to jump in getting them to 11 o'clock. We are to meet them where they are at and speak in that level. How do we know? Well, from our intimacy with the Lord, the Holy Spirit gives us the wisdom to see those heart buttons. When they are ready, then we touch them and then relay the message where they are at. So no pressure. 
To get someone to go around the, the circle in one go like that, it's a process of walking with Jesus, like Min was sharing earlier on, uh, how she engages with the people, even in her parking lot, and then meeting them where they are at, and with the wisdom of the Lord, be able to minister to them where they are at. And then so, how about right now, we spend this time and uh, asking the Lord for one name, one name of a person in your front line that he wants you to share his message to. Remember, the message is simple as this, God loves you. And how you share that, it's, it's, it's dependent on the creativity that God gives you at the time. But the, essen the, the, the essence of the message is the love of God. So as you came in, you would have received a packet with two items in it. One, it's a life story, as you have seen in the diagrams that I've shared, um, or that were shared on the screen, and then which helps you when someone is ready to, maybe it's at 5-2, and now they've been impacted by how you've ministered to them with love and with great encouragement that they are asking how to be born again. That life story comes in handy there for you. That's when you share with them your story and then and then take them through the, the, the salvation prayer, which is on your card. But at this moment, I'm interested in the other card, which is a duplicate in, in a sense. You write down there the name of the Lord, or the, rather the name that the Lord impresses in your heart. And then you will then tear that in half. You keep one part as a reminder for yourself. The other part, you're going to leave it here at church. You're going to put it, um, deposit it in the containers, prayer containers across um, that are available uh, here this morning in the building. And then we want to, the reason we do that, we want to join you in prayer as you share the good news. Uh, we, I want to remind you that you are not alone. God is with you. And us as a community, we are supporting you and we are praying for you. And then perhaps when uh, uh, some of you who are watching at home and you would like to participate in this as well, email that name to, to talk to us at headfield.co.za. And then the same will happen. We will pray with you. And then as, as you reach out to the people, in your context. So he's inviting us to be, uh, to make ourselves available for him to engage on our front line. And then he gives us the wisdom how to minister to the people who are in our space from by moving in the opposite spirit. So I encourage you to go for it. The last point in terms of uh, being a messenger of the gospel is intoxication with the Holy Spirit. If our influence um, in our front line is fueled by our intimacy with God, then how do we maintain our intimacy with God? So the third point is an answer to that. It's through being filled with the Holy Spirit. But you may ask, what, it, what does it mean to be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 5 verse 18, Paul 
writes and he gives us an answer. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you see what Paul is doing here? He's taking a metaphor of someone being drunk and then he applies that spiritually. Friends, you and me, we can see someone from very far when they are drunk. It is in their walk, they stagger, and then everybody can see that something is not okay with this person. It is also in their talk. They can say all sorts of things according to their imagination um, at time as they go through uh, the, the experience of being drunk. They are under the influence of alcohol. Then Paul takes that and then he applies it spiritually. He says we are to also come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, my friend, it's so awesome to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's so much beauty and power to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what happens when we come under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you will receive power, dunamis power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the, the world. So when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we receive power to represent God and his kingdom on our multi-layered front line. Your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, your beyond, um, um, or rather your, your ends of the earth, however, however that looks like uh, to you. What else happens? when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, when we are filled and then we are intoxicated, we wash the dishes at home from a place of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We engage in the boardroom conversations from a place of the Holy Spirit, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens? In Acts chapter 3, a story is recorded of Peter and John. After they had been filled with the Holy Spirit, they are now going to the temple in, in the prayer hour. And then they come across a lay, a man who is begging them. The Bible tells us he was paralyzed from birth. He was lame. He could not walk. And then as he's asking them of money, they say to him, look at us. Isn't it amazing that when the Holy Spirit is within us, we are lookable, if ever there is an English word like that. And it says, look at us. Silver and gold, Peter says in verse 6, I do not have, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then something awesome happens at that moment. The power of the Lord touches this man. They help him up and then he starts to do what he could not do. He walks around. He jumps. He goes straight into the temple where everyone who would have passed by were there. When they saw him, they all rejoice. They praise God. Revival breaks out because of the supernatural power of healing that had, uh, that had been manifested by men who are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. 
You see, when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural becomes natural. That is the reason why God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in the words of Jack Grobleski, the Holy Spirit gives us an ongoing experience with God so that God is not a mere idea or argument. We can sense his presence. We can feel his power. So I want to commend you, my friend, especially for availing yourself in your front line for the Lord to use you in sharing the good news of the kingdom. Like Isaiah did, here I am, send me, O Lord. May you continue to live a surrendered life like that. However, as I was praying, I felt distinctly in my spirit that there would be those amongst us this morning who feels like Isaiah when, when, when he first encountered God. He felt unworthy, a sense of shame and guilt. And then what happens? God took that coal, touched his mouth, and then all of that was removed. My friend, the equivalent of that life call today is the blood of Jesus. I'm talking to someone who realizes that you are distant uh, from God. You are not in a relationship with God and you, you, you desire to be in a relationship with God. Well, Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, if you, I am knocking at the door, if you open your heart, the door of your heart, by repenting and believing the good news, I will come in. You see, Jesus will wash you clean with his blood. And then he, he says he will eat with you and you with him. That speaks of him establishing a relationship with you. So I want to pray for you if you are in that category. You want to receive him as your Lord and as your Savior. Perhaps you used to serve God and you were available for him, but something disappointed you or offended you, and then you went off the path. The Lord also is inviting you to recommit to him for restoration because he's not done with you. He's got so much that he still wants to do in you and through you. Perhaps you are here also, you, are, you grew up in a Christian family, you attend the church, you know the songs, you know the language, but you are not sure that when you die, you will make it to heaven. So as I pray this prayer, the Lord wants you to be sure, to be 100% sure that you will be with him when he calls you home one day day. So if you would like to then make things right with the Lord, I invite you to pray this prayer with me in conclusion. Please pray it with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a savior. Lord, you are that savior. Please forgive me of all my sins. I choose to open the door of my heart and I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Cleanse me of all my sins. Thank you for dying for me and for paying a full price for my sins on the cross. Amen. Well done. If you have prayed that prayer, you are born again. You are in right standing with the Lord. And so in conclusion, 
to all of us as a congregation here, my prayer is that may you be continually filled with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit as you serve in your front line so that his supernatural becomes natural to you. May the good Lord bless you. Amen.